CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Well, only in the CFL. There's a lot of things we can normally say about that, but perhaps this week tops them all. A a team that loses a game after their opponents miss a game-winning field goal, only to lose by a single point on a rouge because you play on a soccer field that has the end zones too small. Yes, the Toronto Argonauts came oh so close to their first win this season in a pretty dramatic finish that has people up in arms over whether or not we should get rid of the Rouge, and perhaps we'll talk about that here as we talk about all of the top storylines from around week four in the CFL. This is the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. Mike, how are you doing this evening? I'm just trying to do some quick research about Corey Chamberlain's regular season losing streak, which I think has hit middle double digits. Or pretty I think it's at 12 now. 12? 12, yeah. I'm going to check because you remember he had that long losing streak which got him fired in Regina, and then you don't count preseason uh, according to the stats, but uh, no, it's it's a very interesting situation just to build up here Jordan. good evening by the way good evening yes good week mike ah, it was okay all right lots of uh relaxation and uh back to reality for me a little bit did you get a ca- chance to catch any of the football games this weekend i did um two of them live and then two of them using the fast forward function on my pvr this afternoon which is wonderful sometimes to be able to fast forward through those games. The PVR is a wonderful invention. And you can get through a game in under two hours if you skip all the commercials. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And the lengthy reviews cut it down to about an hour. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very interesting week that kind of turned things on its head a little bit. Uh, we had some upsets this week, some blowouts, and, uh, well, crazy finish as we've you know, teased here between the BC Lions and the Toronto Argonauts. So we are going to go through this week and uh, try to switch up the format a little bit, constantly evolving here over at the Canadian Football Countdown, uh, talking about the top storyline from week four for each of the teams that played. So uh, we did take, we do have the magical hat back this week with all of our team names in there. But But the magical hat doesn't have a sponsor yet. No, not yet. Uh, if you would like to sponsor the Magical Hat, uh, send us an email, CanadianFootballCountdown at gmail.com. Uh, we did take Edmonton out of the hat this week because they did not play, so we do not have any top storylines from their bye week because uh, there was nothing super juicy in terms of information coming out of them. But we will talk about the other eight teams here, get into our CFL Pick'em, CFL Fantasy, and yes, more movement uh, in mine and Mike's CFL Fantasy uh, League here as we look to tailor our rosters a little bit. We'll get into that a little bit later. But uh, before we get into things, Mike, I do want to let everybody know that we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter for all of the other great shows. And uh, lots of great content coming out each and every week. So make sure you check them all out once you're done listening to this show. 
Mike, would you like to grab the first team out of the magical hat for us to discuss here after week four? <laughs> Toronto. Toronto. All right. <laughs> Sorry, just to be clear, the reason I'm laughing is because we already kind of discussed it. So we just teed it right up. So let's begin there. You only get one. I'm sure there's a lot of things you want to talk about on the Argos here, but hey, last week we went an hour and a half on the show because we we took too long discussing a bunch of these games. Uh, we did have a great interview with uh, Janine from Mouchoir uh, of the Canadian Football Podcast Network last week, so thanks again to her for joining us. Um, I forgot to get a guest this week. My bad. So uh, it's just us, uh, but we are going to go through and try to talk about all of these teams. So in terms of Toronto, they lose that close game, 18-17, on a last-second rouge. What is the storyline from the Argos' perspective here? I think it's where you go from here. Um, they strike me as having some systemic issues um, offensively. Granted, I don't think they know who their quarterback is. Uh well, they do on a given week. They had one, but he got hurt. Nobody seems to know how long he's hurt, other than they know that he's on the six-game injured list. But I, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I seem to like a lot more about what McLeod Bethel Thompson is doing over James Franklin. I just whether it was that comeback last year or whatever else. Uh, to me, there just seems to be a little bit more of a a swagger coming from McLeod Bethel Thompson, and I know it hasn't necessarily resulted in in wins and yards and all that kind of stuff. But there was a lot of that football game that I liked from Toronto's perspective, compared to yes, I know they lost by one, but. You know, I, I did see some things that I liked from McLeod Bethel-Thompson. The other one is Stitcher L. Walker involved. I think you just took mine. That was going to be my storyline. Yeah, but, but it's like it's all intertwined kind of together. And I, and I guess my storyline is the Argo offense, which has had a power outage for the most part. Right. Yeah, and, and you, you hit the nail on the head there. McLeod Bethel-Thompson... Uh, go back to last year, you know, for a couple games there, it looked like we were ready to put a statue outside BMO Field for this guy because of that big comeback they did have over Ottawa. Came back, had another good game, I think, the week after, a couple in the row there. He seemed to get things going a little bit for that Toronto offense, but uh, and then he struggled a little bit. Franklin came back in later in the season. Now it's his job for the next couple of weeks. Like, sure, if he struggles, maybe they put Brandon Bridge in there. Uh, or sorry, no, Brandon Bridge is back with the Alouettes now. He's not. Yeah, so I, I believe it will be Mike O'Connor, and that's on the top. Right, yes, Brandon Bridge was let go by the Argos. That is my bad. They were the Canadian. Yeah. He's had the wrong one. Yeah, there we go. Um, it's McLeod Bethel Thompson's team. I like the step forward like you from the Argos this week. Um, you kind of stole what I wanted to talk about there. Well, so then I'll ask you this question. Which player has stood out for you? For the Argos? Yeah. Um, if I have to pick one that I didn't necessarily think would stand out to me this season, because, you know, you look at that receiving core, and as much as we want to talk about how bad Toronto's offense is, 
we uh, you have Armani Edwards, SJ Green. They bring in Darrell Walker. We expect those three to be their top three guys. Well, Levi Noel, Canadian wide receiver, leads the team in wide receiving this in receiving yards so far this season. He had six catches for 66 yards in this game, or 68 yards, sorry. I mean, on the season, just looking at it here, 170 yards and a touchdown through three games. Like, that's not bad for a guy that we didn't expect to be so heavily featured in this offense. So uh, if you want to talk about, you know, the big storylines for the Argos right now, um, just to, since you did t take what I wanted to talk about on the offense there, though, I'll, I'll bring up perhaps a step forward for the defense because, sure, as the game went along, Mike Riley got going offensively, John White got going, but, I mean, for a team that gave up, what was it, 90 points or something like that in the last two weeks, 80-something, 90-something, I think it was like 95, they held Mike Riley to 272 yards passing. Sure, they let up a lot on the ground, but they only gave up 17 points. To me, the storyline is the Argos made steps forward this week and just and freak of nature lost at the end of a game that they should have been able to put away here. Yeah. Um, interesting thing, Ryan, quickly with Toronto. Are you more confident in Toronto than you were now than going into the season, or are they about where you thought they would be? I'm less confident. I was actually kind of hyped up on the Argos coming into the year. I thought their defense would be pretty good based on some of the moves this offseason. I thought Darrell Walker and uh, James Franklin would just make such a big connection that they uh, that it really would, you know, bring things up for the Argos here this year. But yeah, they're they've definitely taken a step back. You know, you cannot dismiss those two ugly losses to start the season before this one. Let's move on to our next team here, Mike, and I will draw the next one out of the hat here. Jeopardy theme music. Are you ready? Yes. We're going to talk about the Calgary Stampeders, a team that uh, lost their starting quarterback. Boy, we have not been able to say that in a really long time. Like, this is really the first time that Calgary has been without Bo Levi Mitchell for a lengthy period of time since he became their starter there. He is out on the six-game injured list, and we both picked Saskatchewan coming into this game, but Calgary hands it to Saskatchewan 37-10. to I think the uh, if I can go first here on the storylines for Calgary, uh, boy, I don't know which one to choose because there are multiple, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with the defense. I, I think I'll talk about Calgary's defense here because last season and pr in previous seasons, all the talk was about how Calgary had the best defense in the CFL. I mean, they were dominant. Last season, early in the season, we consistently talked about and brought up the average number of points they were allowing per game because it was a ridiculous pace. It was under 10, like five games into the season. This year, the Stampeders on defense have struggled, to say the least, through the first couple of games. Tons of rushing yards allowed. Tons of points allowed on the board. You know, Calgary did very nearly fall to 0-2. They just, at the end with that crazy rally, beat the BC Lions the week before. Coming against a young quarterback in Cody Fajardo, who had two insanely good weeks the last two weeks prior to this, and with William Powell at running back, a lot of people expected them to, you know, eat up this Calgary defense this week. 
The defense shut them down. Cody Fajardo had 89 yards passing in this game. Um, they really couldn't get much going at all. He got pulled at some point. Huge step-up game for the Calgary defense. And this team is start now with two straight wins. Going to start getting a little hot here, Mike. And it's give it no time, and it's going to be back to the Calgary ta- Stampeders we know. My storyline is uh, Net Arbuckle. Oh, boy. Um, another reason you can't count them out. He made the big combat in his uh, first start. Uh, first start of the uh, uh, first appearance, I guess you could say, this year. And kind of basic, we picked up right where he left off uh, from the last game on the weekend. But just how he seems to elevate his game when a lot is expected of of them. And he answers the bell. And there is no quarterback controversy in Calgary. Let's make that abundantly <laughs> clear, as some of you tried to suggest to me. But uh, I talked to, and I'm not going to name names because that would be embarrassing. But Nick Arbuckle, an injury replacement, uh, did his job. And, you know, just to find out that. Um, and it's kind of along the same lines as, you know, kind of, kind of offenses. Just how good Eric Rodgers can be. Yeah. Well, and he wasn't even heavily featured in this game. He had like three catches for 26 yards. No, but it's, it's the type of catches and it's when he makes those catches. You know, he can have, you know, he's one of those guys, but he can have five catches in the game for, 50, 60 yards, but if four of those five catches are on setting down in the lawn and gives the team a first down, that's just about as good as a 100-yard game. The thing with a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback making one of his first starts, you tend to see as him relying on a certain guy that he's built some chemistry with, right? You you see that. I think you saw that last year, Chris Strebler and the Bombers. Chris Strebler threw a lot to Drew Olatarski early on because if you watch any TSN broadcast, especially Rod Black ones, you'll know that those two were roommates in college. Nick Arbuckle did not just hone in on one guy here. He threw the ball to nine different receivers. I did just speak to how well prepared the guy is. If I were to highlight one key player for the Stampeders so far, just like we did with the Argos there, that's really stepped up to me this season. Look on the defensive side of the ball. You've lost so many players on defense this year. Trey Roberson is a monster. And he's also playing hurt. Like, he has five picks through three games. And he has a hip injury. Jeez. Five picks, including a touchdown this week. He's got a sack, I think, in there, too. He's got a ton of tackles. What a what a he, season he's having. You can't exactly throw the ball away from him because, quite honestly, he's everywhere. Yeah, pretty much. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know why we keep betting down on Calgary because Calgary may still be Calgary. I'm tell- I, I think it's because we're just trying to project our wants and our desires onto them. <laughs> Eight other teams from and their fan bases from around the league just want to see Calgary finally fail. I don't know what to tell you. Well, they're 2-1 and one so far to start the season, the Stampeders are, and we'll see if they can continue going forward. But, Mike, let's move on to our next team. 
take the next team out of the hat there for us. Ottawa. All right, you go first on this one. Um, I did not have them at two and one two three games. Um, I did not have Dom Davis as their number one coming into, into the season. I just want to know which Dom Davis we have. The Dom Davis that literally went punch for punch with Cody Fajardo and and won the game. The Dom Davis that made that big comeback against Calgary in Calgary. Or is it the Dom Davis that kind of came down a few notches this past week against the Blue Bomber? And the interesting thing is uh, that Dom Davis has a four-interception game, wins the game. Throws three touchdowns, no interceptions, wins the, wins the game. And this former team, Miss, we've made some luck very average. Average. I did, it wasn't a bad game, wasn't... Wasn't a good game, but it was somewhere in the middle. Um, so I I just want to know what I'm I'm intrigued by what we have, and I I think you know I, I don't want to pull the bombers into this too early, but I think next week when Dom Davis plays, we're going to get a real indication how good he is. And how did this bomber defense is? Not this week, but the week after. When oh, when, again, whenever, right? yeah. Yeah, the week after, so the next game. Um, because, you know, if he comes out and lights it up again, oh, well, then the, you know, the bomber defense is very good, did a very good job of neutralizing that. And, you know, if, if Tom Davis is average again, well, then we kind of have this, Two good games, two bad games, one good game, one. You know, so to me, I want to see Dominic Davis continue in a bigger sample size. For me, the storyline with Ottawa kind of plays into what you're talking about with Dom Davis. It's the uh, sudden offensive inefficiency in this game. And maybe it's, uh, you know, chalk that one up to the defense they're playing against and a very good Bombers defense that I'm sure we'll get to a little bit later here yet. But, uh, the big one for me that's noticeable, where's Brad Sinopoli? You asked before, where's Darrell Walker and why isn't he being used by the Argos? And granted, through two games, Ottawa had some pretty good offensive success there. Uh, but uh, through three games, Sinopoli has just 13 catches for 127 yards. Last season, we would have probably seen him put that up in a game and a half, if not just one game. Um, maybe it is just... You know, that Davis last season was a backup. He was probably practicing with some of these younger guys like R.J. Harris, Dominic Rimes, and I know those guys kind of got more so into the starting lineup, especially Harris as the season went along. But you almost see that sometimes, that the younger quarterback, the younger starting quarterback goes and makes his, uh, utilizes his, younger receivers to try to build some chemistry with them there so Brad Sinopoli's kind of been now a secondary piece to that offense almost and maybe after the struggles they had this week because they didn't have the ball for very much like time of possession wise it was 39 minutes to 23 for the Bombers like like Ottawa had the ball for 23 minutes I think they only had the ball for seven minutes in the second half 
Yeah, the Bombers dominated uh, time of possession, aided by penalties, of course. Uh, and, and so for me, the thing is, why, where specifically from this week, my storyline with Ottawa, they didn't run the ball, just six carries for 18 yards for Moses Madu. They were not behind that terribly much where they couldn't. They almost got back into the game here. And uh, they didn't use Brad Sinopoli, who's been known as like the most sure-handed second-down target you could have in the CFL. So, you know, that aided with the penalties you talked about. Uh, that, to me, is why Ottawa lost this game. If you had to choose a player that has stood out for you so far for the Red Blacks, who would it be? Tom Rimes. I mean... The guy catches the ball, right? I mean, where would this offense be without him? I mean, everybody would say, well, if he's not so successful, then you may as well, well, you may as well get Bradson off with some touches. But he's going so well that, you know, it kind of takes the pressure off of Sinopoli. Uh, also, shout out to Lewis Ward, who still has his ridiculous yeah. streak going after 53 yarders straight down the middle. What a beauty. That's the, the, I'll, I'll make the projection right now. He will not be in the CFL next year. He's going to the NFL. He should. And not just as a security guard, like as a kicker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next team on the list. I have drawn the name out of the hat, and we are going to the Prairies to talk about the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I better be nice. Um, I'll go first on this one because I drew the name out of the hat. Um. I'll say a storyline for me for the Riders in this game really was uh, more so a life lesson for CFL fans in general. Cool your jets. Like, we're talking about this amazing starting quarterback, and I'm guilty of this too, and you're guilty of this too over the last couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. Cody Fajardo, the rejuvenated Saskatchewan offense, we're even picking them to beat Calgary. Like, we don't do that normally. A bit of a reality shock here. Um, they did not get things going offensively. I mentioned already 89 yards passing for Cody Fajardo. He does get pulled later in the game uh, for Isaac Harker. I mean, Saskatchewan, we just talked about time of possession, that bomber game with uh, with Ottawa. Saskatchewan actually somehow does have the ball for five more minutes and yet puts up only a total of 234 yards of offense. Well, that was in large part because of some big kickoff returns that was kind of set up. Right. Um, but, again, I mean, to touch on your point, it just goes to show how big of a sample size we need for quarterbacks before we can definitively say, mind you, I'd, it seemed to work all for Bo Levi Mitchell right off the hop, yeah. but not everybody's Bo Levi Mitchell. Yeah, well, and, and, to, me, and to be fair, you know, he's had two good games, one bad game. I still think of Cody Fajardo can be a solid starting How much you chalk it up to the short week? I mean, they had one practice. And, and maybe that's... And a rejigged offensive line somewhat. And, and maybe that plays into it as well. But they they got nothing going in this game. This game was a nightmare for the Riders offensively. It, it was amazing how much Calgary was able to neutralize them. They wouldn't let them get to the outside to make that throw. Yeah, and as a guy who is a mobile quarterback normally if you can you know contain him in the pocket and he's got nowhere to run right he he did still you know he did carry the ball six times for 19 yards but he didn't really pick up much on the ground there either so for me Cody Fajardo that is that's my storyline for 
for the Riders is just a step back from this week. But not all hope is lost. It's not quarterback controversy. Go out, okay, now Isaac Harker's the starter. No, he had two good games, one bad game. I guess storyline for me is more so, let's see what we see from him next week. How does he bounce back from this? If you want to be a starting quarterback in the CFL and maintain your place, because you have time now with Zach Kaleros on the injured list, you need to have a bounce back game this week. Challenge is yours, Cody Fajardo. Your storyline. I'm going to issue that same challenge to the Saskatchewan defense. They did not let that against Hamilton. Gave up uh, 44 to Ottawa. Played a really good game. Uh, played a really good game a uh, week before last. I forget who it was against. My mind's trying to blame. Toronto. A Toronto, but quite honestly, we know what Toronto is now. Um, and now all of a sudden the defense is turning on back to the Let's give up 40 points. Let's give up lots of space and let people make tackles after a 15-yard gain. And it's not like it's out, out of this world quarterbacks that we know of yet that are beating them, right? It was Dom Davis and it's Nick Arbuckle. And, and that to me is concerning. It's my just my bigger question is what's your identity on defense? You know, I I have a hard time, you know. Saskatchewan doesn't already uh, get to the quarterback very much, but yet their man-to-man isn't the greatest in the lead. So, you know, my challenge to Jason Shivers is, what's your identity? Like, how do you want to play? Like, it's way too contrasting styles through four games, and in each game we've seen something different. For the good or for the bad, and I, I just want to know, and and I think, you know, to be honest with you, Saskatchewan is where we thought they were. Yep. Uh, five hundred to slightly below five hundred to maybe eight and ten, you know, somewhere around there. So I don't know. It, it's you get flashes of brilliance, and then you get. You know, games like what you had on the weekend. So may, maybe that's to be expected. You know, every every team has those good games. And then, so, oh, and oh, I think that the whole persistence that we need to see what, what, what are they? They're, they're a one and three football team, but, you know, that's so good for two weeks. And then lays that one on there. So, and their schedule doesn't get, any easier um and that's a couple of weeks coming out of the bye back to back with BC um and BC desperate as is and you know to be 100% frank BC already has one matchup with Saskatchewan if you look at the general head to head and that is they have the better quarterback so Saskatchewan's already disadvantaged there and they're going to need their defense to step up right uh, highlighted player for me, uh, not too many in this game for the Riders, but perhaps Luchas Purifoy, uh, did have a 60-something yard kick return. Everybody always talks about Christian Jones, Kyron Moore. This guy does some returns for them as well, and, uh, you know, he can break a couple big ones there. In a general sense, I think I'd throw Moncrief in there as well. He had a pretty good first couple of I don't know how many tackles he wound up having uh, this week, but... Yeah, I think he had five. 
definitely noticeable. And defensive players, unfortunately, get more and more noticed because they're on the field an awful lot. Right. So, who are we talking about next, Mike, as we move along? The only undefeated team in the CFL. Who might that be? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Who is that? (laughs) The Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Yeah. We live in Winnipeg. Sue us. Please don't. Don't sue us. Don't, um... (laughs) Don't yell at us. Yeah. We're just trying to get used to this tree and open. Yeah. We're trying to cherish it while it's still here because things will change as the season goes along. Storyline for you, Mike, with Winnipeg through three games and especially this week. Just how good their overall team is. I mean, they have guys out, Bid Hill, uh, they lost Matthews for a lot of the last half of the um, football game. Or Matt, uh, sorry, Nichols as well. Although Nichols took all the first team reps uh, today in practice and is expected to start on Friday. Um, but you know just how good this team is, depth wise. I mean, there were a lot of questions on that offensive line coming into the year. You know, having lost uh, Subshan, uh, Matthias Dawson, but Cody Speller and. Uh, Jeff Gray have done a nice job, especially in Ottawa. Um, and just how uh, deep the receiving core is. And I don't want to touch on your point because I think I know what it is, but one defensive touchdown in three games uh, and none in the last two games is uh, definitely something not to sneeze at. So, but to me, if I'm the Bombers, I'd. If I have one bit, bit of a negative, they do have this bend but do not break mentality. I'd like to see them force a few more two and outs and really get a team off the field. Not, you know, let a team get one or two first downs and then stop, stop them near midfield and punt. Um, but overall, I mean, you know, that's nitpicking concerns at this point for a 3 0 football team, but. Always did in Winnipeg right now. Yeah, you touched a little more on the offense, so allow me to expand on what you mentioned there for the defense, because that to me is the focal point here of the most important storyline for the Bombers is this is a team that has gotten flack for some of its defensive performances over the last couple of years. Richie Hall, people were calling for his job year after year, game after game. Ain't nobody calling for Richie Hall's job right now. Like Richie Hall's job is safe. He has put together, with the help of Kyle Walters, Mike O'Shea, and the rest of the staff there, a very solid defense that, like you said, has only allowed one touchdown through three games, uh, and that was in game one. Mike Riley to Lamar Durant. Um, I believe it's nine straight quarters now without a touchdown allowed. We had Dom Davis coming into this game. Um, playing pretty well his past couple starts. They managed to neutralize him there. And I think the thing for me with the Bombers defense that just shows how strong it is compared to how how perhaps not as strong it's been in recent years is their ability to stop the run. Week one against BC, they only allowed four carries for four yards. Week three against Edmonton, okay, C.J. Gable had himself 17 carries and quite a few yards there, but C.J. Gable is also playing really, really well this season. And then now they go and shut Ottawa to just eight carries for 24 yards. Like, 
through three games so far, I think you're looking at something like 12, 17, 4, quick math on the fly here. 33 carries uh, only run against them here. Um, not a lot of yards that they've given up on the ground through three games. This is a team that's been known to be beat by the deep ball in the past. And so maybe teams are taking advantage of that and thinking, oh, we can beat them through the air, so we're not going to run the ball as much on this team. But then they're also making the key plays to stop them through the air, the key turnovers, the key third down stops. To me, the storyline for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, as much as you want to talk about other things on offense, perhaps on special teams, is the play of the defense. I'm just excited to see how long they can keep it up. They do have a bit of a weaker schedule in the next several weeks. They do play Toronto this week. Pat up the wins. They do play Toronto this week. They have another matchup with Ottawa, which will be tough. Uh, they play Toronto again, I think, after the bye, and then Hamilton, and then I, I, th- Calgary. I and then Calgary right after that. Yeah. So they have a couple weeks. I, I just want to see how long this defense can keep it up, because to me, the Bombers right now have the best defense in the CFL. I, I did get a, a source has told me, but man, that does well play on uh, Friday night. So clear up all the confusion. Uh, who would you like to highlight as the uh, player of notice for the Bombers, especially in week four? Willie Jefferson. I mean, like I said to you, I mean, it's no accident, but the teams can't seem to run on the Blue Bombers because who's there to plug the hole? Well, did a lot trying to run into Jade Thomas, trying to run into Willie Jefferson, trying to run into Jackson Jeff Coat. Like that whole D line is just massive. And you know the fact that Willie Jefferson hasn't really hit his stride as far as what he was known for in Saskatchewan. I think it's also really terrifying for other teams. Yeah. <laughs> like Yeah. But also too, I mean Jackson Jeff Coat has done so well on that one end. And I think it's because Willie Jefferson commends so much attention, he just pushes everybody to the other side of the defense. And and his knockdowns, like his reach, you know, he can disturb a play without necessarily sacking the quarterback, just simply by getting his hands up. Yeah. Yeah, great. And being a presence. Even though he's quiet, been quiet so far, it's still been a solid start to the season. He is part of the reason that defense well, has been so say- good. I'll say this, being noticed for being quiet is very good, because we're not talking about it in a negative way, as in, he just, you know, turned inside out a couple times a game, and, and that type of thing, so flying under the radar, I think, for Willie Jefferson is good, just wait till he finds a deer, and uh, starts getting to the quarterback level. And I wonder if that's a defensive scheme for the Bombers, because as a team, they haven't really gotten to the quarterback. So maybe they're focusing on on this man, kind of two-man underneath pressure. Moving on to our next team here. I've already grabbed it from the hat. It's a team that we were really high on last week that, oh, I might not be so high on after this performance. The, uh, the Hamilton Tiger Cats coming off to really good performances against the Argos and the who else did they beat and the Montreal Alouettes that they played just this week again in the rematch I say it all the time when it comes to your notes star Astrid whatever you want to call it when it comes to home and home series and pick them you take the split and I didn't take the flip and split 
Should have taken the split. Because, yes, Hamilton does lose this game. I think the storyline for me, and I'm going to be a bit negative on the Ticats here, because, and, and maybe it's a little hypocritical of me because I was so high on them last week after those two wins, but they did not come out and play well at all in this game. Uh, granted, in the end, they did almost come out with the win. Montreal wins right at the end. Jeremiah Mazzoli sure puts up 400 yards. Man, if that didn't step out of bounds in the last play of the game, it would have been tougher and onside kit. Yeah. But no run defense this week. That was out the window. Yeah. Um, they allowed William Stanback to put up 200 yards on the ground, more through the air, and three touchdowns. This was a trap game for the Ticats. That's how you can describe it. A and trap they had game. one foot on the trap, I think it's fair to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say they had two feet on the trap because, you know, they were somewhat good, but in the end it is a bat-to-bat. Uh, they did lose Sean Thomas Erlington to a, to the six-game injured list in this game early on. But Anthony Coombs came in and played well. But the storyline for me here with the Ticats is kind of the same thing I had for that challenge for Cody Fajardo. I'm interested to see what Hamilton's going to do this week against Calgary. Because I was looking at the numbers earlier today, and you and I were talking about this, right? You look at the two teams now that have three wins on the season. The Winnipeg Blue Bombers have gotten their three wins against teams that are a combined five and five this season the Hamilton Tiger Cats three wins have come against teams that I believe the number was two and nine are the teams that they have beaten because they've beaten Saskatchewan who's one and three Toronto who's oh and three and uh Montreal who's one and two so far this season but so sure but, but here's the pain though and not to rain on your parade with the numbers and stuff I think it's a little too early to start doing the combined head-to-head with teams, just because there's so many teams outside of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and outside of uh, Toronto who either have won all their games or lost all their games, everybody else is somewhere in the middle between one and two wins. Yeah, that's fair. That's a valid point. So I, I'm not doom and gloom saying, oh, the season's over for the Ticats here. I'm just saying they fell into the trap because they beat two teams they should have easily beaten, and they easily beat them. This week they fell into the trap. Um, especially after they beat the same team the week before, and they fell for it, and they got the loss because of that. This is a game they should have won, and at the end of the day, they didn't. So that's my storyline. What is yours? Well, my storyline is uh, when Addison doesn't make it into your lineup after having a really good first couple of games. Well, he was injured. Well, yeah, but, you know, when you... Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll correct myself. It's... When you have a deep team with lineup that you can simply turn on a night, night uh, in and night out basis and it's about 75% consistency, three out of every four games at this point, you know, I don't think there's too much to criticize. But let's see when, you know, the games get tough because for my recollection, you can trust me if I'm wrong, the only West Division team the Hamilton Tigers has to play this Saskatchewan. Correct. So they have not not seen Edmonton, they've not seen BC, they've not seen Winnipeg, you know, the old, and they've not seen Calgary up until this point. So you know the tougher competition seems to be out west. You know with the Bombers three and one, and the Alberta teams are two and one. The Riders uh, one and three, and BC one and three. Uh, one and three. So. You know, to me, I just want to see, I like what I've seen from Hamilton. 
I'm going to say that their loss uh, this past week was just a uh, stubbing their toe on the door. And we'll get back to regular Hamilton Tiger Cats football this week. Player I want to highlight for the Ticats. Could go a couple ways here. Uh, honorable mention, I'll go Jalen Acklin, who had eight catches, 120 yards, and a touchdown. But the player I'll highlight this week, Anthony Coombs, mm-hmm. who, uh, after Sean Thomas Erlington, who I say was on pace to be the most outstanding Canadian in the CFL this season, uh, great start to the season, goes down to injury. What an ugly hit. Yeah, I didn't see the, I didn't see the play. I didn't like it. Um, but Anthony Coombs comes in. This is a guy that we've been high on for years. Uh, he was really involved in that Toronto offense, had many years of injuries. He comes in, puts up uh, combined 112 yards of offense, if I got the math here correct. Um, not a bad performance. So I think it earns him the starts over the next couple of weeks uh, for the Ticats, and we'll see what Coombs can do, and hopefully he can stay healthy and make some magic. So that's my player to highlight for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I, I think the Arrows made a mistake letting him go, but that's would, just me. I would agree with you. Two teams left to talk about. You get the second last one. Oh, man, this is kind of beneficial. A team that I kind of lit on fire last week uh, made me rethink that this week. So we'll talk about the Montreal Alouettes, who just beat the team we talked about. And much like a couple of other teams, I think they're still searching for consistency. Um, You know, they were right there with Edmonton in week number one, as I recall. Mm-hmm. They they won, you know, this past week. They're two. They put four games to this point. They're one and two. One and two, so yeah. three, three games. They very well it, could be two and one. You know, you you could make the case that it's not all doom and gloom for Montreal. But what I learned this week, and this might be obvious on my part, there's no running back controversy because all of a sudden that made shift offensive line because. Uh, I think it was Jordan retired uh, yeah. in the middle of the game, sat on the bench for about an hour. And then had to go back in because... <laughs> yeah, to, for... So my question is, is he still retired? I don't know. <laughs> but, no, in all seriousness, the Hodges, as people like to call them up front, made Mr. Stambath look very, very dead. And... Maybe it's supposed to weakness in the Hamilton defense, but again, it's it's amazing what happens when you take some consideration in, into running the football. Yeah, and uh, I don't really know where else to go uh, in terms of my storyline this week for Montreal because it is all William Stanback. Like, he did everything. Uh, I did look up the uh, re- CFL records for uh, most yards in a game because I wanted to see how close he was. Uh, I forget the name, but uh, I'll I'll see if I can find it here yet. Uh, But 313 yards is the single all-purpose game record. Uh, All-purpose yards in one game. Uh, Yards from scrimmage is what they call it, rushing, receiving. Uh, William Stanback had 249 and three touchdowns. I almost put him in my fantasy lineup this week, but I took him out, and we'll get to fantasy in a little bit. 43 points for Mr. William Stanback. There's your difference, whatever you lost by. Yeah. So, I mean, Stanback was the storyline this week. But I 
you know, I will also talk about for the Alouettes. Uh, a storyline coming out of this week is that uh, one you sent me earlier is they have added Chris Aki uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, as was announced yesterday. He was formerly with the team, then went to Ottawa. Now he's back. He's a very good player, Chris Aki is. And we thought Taylor Loeffler was going to be out long term on the injured list, but it looks like he could be back this week. So offense picking things up a little bit for Montreal. Defense gets some help back there. Maybe we'll see a bit more of a strong Montreal team going forward. That is. That I will go out on a limb and suggest that playoff football is coming to Montreal this year. Oh boy! I mean, we said it before the season, right? And I think it's I think it's seriously time that we revisit that idea. I would just like to flash back to the season preview show where I mentioned that William Stanback would lead the CFL in rushing in 2019. I stand by that statement. Bold prediction 101. Because, I mean, if he continues running like he has today, and it wasn't just this game. Like, it's been every game this season that Stanback has played really well, despite offensive struggles. This guy is legit. Makes you wonder, and I, I just wonder, I don't want to rain on this parade or anything, like it's fantastic, but when his number starts being put on other teams' chalkboards or dry erase boards on, you know, we need to cue in on this guy, maybe it's going to help open some receivers for some passing yards, too. Uh, guy I want to highlight here as my high, as a highlighted player that stood out to me, I mean, we've talked stand back, right, but uh, Quan Bray. Uh, of the Montreal Alouettes, uh, rookie wide receiver who had an outstanding training camp, a solid preseason, uh, actually gets the start here over Geno Lewis, who we were expecting to have an outstanding season. Mike did take Geno Lewis as part of his fantasy team uh, for this season, and rightfully so. He had about 800 yards last year, and uh, Quan Bray came in, gets his first career start, and uh, I, I had a bit of a hunch that he might get a little involved here. I compare him almost to the Bombers' lucky whitehead in terms of him being that speedy, deep threat that they can rely on here. He did put up eight catches for 54 yards, so we'll see if he stays in the lineup. I imagine he will, and uh, perhaps on top of having B.J. Cunningham there at wide receiver, uh, maybe they'll have another uh, reliable option there in Quan Bray for the Alouettes. And our final team here to talk about is the BC Lions, who did pick up their first win of the season this week, but oh, so close came to it, dropping to 0-4. It came down to the final play of the game. They missed the field goal. Sergio Castillo has not missed all year. It goes and misses. They still win by the Rouge. Um, what is the storyline for me for the BC Lions? I think I got to go with Lamar Durant. Is that fair? Absolutely. Nine catches, 125 yards, and a touchdown. He has a touchdown in every game so far this season. Um, this is a guy that was, like like I said last week, a bit of an afterthought in that Calgary offense last year. Uh, he comes over. He looks like he could be the, he's Mike Riley's go-to guy now. He's got uh, four touchdowns in four games so far Lamar Durant has, and uh, puts him third in the league in receiving yards coming into week number five at 308. So uh, seems to be the reliable guy that Riley wants to target in the end zone, and let's see if he can keep this streak going uh, going forward. Uh, it seems to be a connection they really enjoy, and if Brian Burnham's going to continue to be out for a little bit, you know, Durant's just going to get more and more targets, and uh, 
I think we'll see Lamar Durant pass a thousand yards receiving this year. That's some. That's what he did um, this past off season to leave Calgary and go to somewhere where he could be the guy, and it it seems to be working out for him so far. Yes, absolutely. What is your storyline for BC? Well, for me, it's. And I don't know if this is the byproduct of having spent so much money, but we've seen a very average Mike Riley. We've seen a very average, average to poor BC defense at times. And I hope BC turns it around. I mean, it's one and three. It's in the West. It's certainly anybody's ball game out West, but you know, I just, I, I can't seem to wrap my head around what the problem is with teams that Mike Riley has been on that are 500 the last little bit. I mean, Edmonton was what, 6-0, and 6-6, six and, six and went on that up-and-down kind of run. But I just have to wonder what the deal is with BC and... Granted, I saw some improvement on the path, but they only gave up 17 points. But, you know, they very realistically could have and maybe should have been 0-4. Yeah, like it came that close. Uh, player I want to, I think we would agree to highlight. I mean, we've already highlighted Lamar Durant. That was my kind of storyline here. But uh, perhaps I should flip it. Maybe my storyline is that the Lions actually learned to run the ball. Somehow in the last two weeks, and John White had 22 carries for 100 and, uh, 138 yards here. So uh, they've, they've got the running game going in, my, in BC, which is what we said they needed to do. So I, I'll say that's my storyline. My player to highlight is Lamar Durant based on uh, the four touchdowns in four games and three, third in the league in receiving yards. Mike, let's get into CFL Fantasy, CFL Pick'em Talk here. Uh, CFPN Fantasy Challenge this week. I came Oh, so close to dethroning the Empire. Uh, did lose to Empire Andrew from the Eskimo Empire podcast by just a mere three points. If only Cody Fajardo would have thrown two more interceptions there. I may have squeaked out a win, but I fall to two and two. Uh, went heavy on the Bombers this week. Had Matt Nichols, uh, Darvin Adams, Lucky Whitehead, the Bombers defense. Uh they performed okay, would have performed better if Nichols uh, did not get injured there. Um, did have Sean Thomas Erlington, who put up zero with the injury. John White had a monster game with about 26 points. And then the uh, the sleeper pick for the week, uh, Quan Bray putting up roughly 13 points. So I had, I think, 76 points on the week. I do fall to 2-2 two and two after the loss to Andrew. And uh, this week I will be facing... Uh, Ryan Ballantyne from the CFL Horseman Radio Podcast, a battle of the Ryans in the CFPN Fantasy Challenge. And, well, perhaps maybe I'll just pick all Tie Cats or all Bombers or something because, well, we already know he's fielding only Stampeders this week. So uh, might just have to, you know, take his opponents in the Tie Cats. Get, getting into our Fantasy League, uh, how do you think you did this week, Mike? Can I run in the corner, hide, and try? Why? I suck. <laughs> uh, would you like to know the totals, or do you want to plug your ears? Yeah, I mean, I'll plug my ears and go try in the corner. Be right back. Uh, myself this week, I put up 180.02 points, uh, led by top performers in 
Uh, well, William Stanback, 42.9. Jeremiah Mazzoli, uh, 22.44. Mike Riley, 15.48. And uh, Lamar Durant, 18.5. Mike, you uh, unfortunately this week had 59.46 points. Uh, what but happened? I, but I had a quarterback and a receiver on a bye, and and another quarterback who didn't perform too well. So fair I, enough. I write a ton on the wall, and when your team has a drive that rushes for over 200 yards yeah. and three touchdowns, it's. I knew on Thursday night I was done like dinner. <laughs> uh, your top performers: Andrew Harris, 13 points. Uh, T.J. Lee had 12. Drew Wolitarski had 11. Um, uh, just trying to go back and look through here. Uh, you did have a lot of guys put up, uh, zero because you had a lot of guys on a bye week, like you mentioned. Uh, Cody Fajardo, 5.46. William Powell, 5.7. Uh, trades for the week. Mike, the floor is yours for your first, for your two trades this week. What are you going to do? Yes, I will drop Brady Oliveira. I will pick up John White. I will drop Darrell Water. And I will pick up Eric, Eric Rogers. What's the thinking behind these two? Moves? Well, I mean, I can't quite honestly have a guy on my team who hasn't yet performed. I just had the ball thrown to him four times all year in Darrell Walker. Um, and I want to see if Net Arbuckle can continue that chemistry with, uh, with Eric Rogers and my idea of the Canadian running back picking one up for a guy that's been injured, and I do like the bat-to-bat hand of games from John White, who's going to surface over Freddie Oliveira, who likely will not see the field the rest of the regular season, unfortunately. And you did have the Canadian flexibility, because you did take so many early. But it just happened to be that uh, John White is Canadian, and he John, isn't? No, John White is not Canadian. Are you sure under the new rules? Uh, maybe under the new rules. Uh, we'll look into that. But... But anyway, yeah, it is flexibility and the best running back available. Fair enough. Uh, I will make two trades as well to keep tinkering with my roster. Uh, James Franklin's on the six-game injury list, so I will swap him out. And I will put in Bombers quarterback Matt Nichols. Uh, I think he'll be healthy and fine to go this week and will be starting like you mentioned. Uh, for me, with Matt Nichols, it's just the touchdowns he throws. Uh, he is produ- He does, I believe, have the most touchdown passes in the CFL so far this season. He would have been on pace for his first 300-yard game of the year if he had not gotten injured. And that offense is opening a ton of things up. So I'm taking Matt Nichols for James Franklin. And for my other deal here, Mike, I will be swapping out a defender, and I will be swapping out the guy who is probably the best defensive lineman in the CFL, but because of that is also double-teamed by everyone. And I'm going to take Micah Johnson out of my lineup and put in Trey Roberson of the Calgary Stampeders. Like we said, five picks so far this season, a pick six included for Trey Roberson. Uh, yeah, I want him in my lineup. I, I thought about picking him in our draft, and uh, now I want him for sure going forward. So Trey Roberson in my lineup. Quickly here, CFL pick em. Uh We've got just about two, three minutes left in the show, so Mike, we will need to fly through these here. Um Two and two week for both of us last week. I'm eleven and four on the season. You're nine and six. Uh, we the first matchup of this week has the Edmonton Eskimos and the BC Lions in BC. Who are you taking? I am going to take Edmonton off a bye. 
As Ryan Allen and Trevor Harris get me a couple of touchdowns and some big yards against a BC defense, but needs to improve in a hurry. Absolutely. Uh, I'll, I'll agree with you. I'll take Edmonton as well. I think they're the better football team uh, completely here. BC at home, maybe, but uh, they did pick up their first win, but only beat the Argos on a last second rouge. So I'm not sold on the Lions just yet. So uh, if Edmonton can control the penalties, they'll win this game. Next matchup has, we want to talk about trap games. This might be a trap game. Winnipeg Blue Bombers host at 3-0, and hosting the 0-3 Toronto Argonauts. I have got the Bombers winning at home here. I won't be surprised if Toronto somehow wins. I won't be surprised, especially after Montreal-Hamilton. But I just, in all intents and purposes, the Bombers are the best team in the league right now. Toronto is the worst team. I'm taking Winnipeg. I'm going Toronto. I, Don't do it, Mike. Don't do it. I, I'm taking Toronto. I hope Winnipeg wins. This, to me, has trap game written all over it. Ay, 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 ay. Huh? We'll see if you're right. I took Ottawa to beat Calgary in week one. It paid off. So we'll see if that works out for you. I, I, I get where you're coming from with this. Um, Next game has the Alouettes and the Red Blacks in Ottawa. Your pick for this one. Montreal just build off of what they did. I want to see Dom Davis. Is he for real? I think he's somewhere in the middle of those first two games. I'll take Montreal as well. Ottawa took a step back last week. Montreal took a step forward. I don't know. I, I think Montreal is going to continue to do so this week. And then the final game of the week has Calgary and Hamilton in Hamilton. I'm taking the Stampeders. I thought, uh, I, I don't know. I'm not 100% sold on Hamilton right now. I thought Calgary looked good last week, and they're getting back into Calgary form, so I'll take the Stampeders. Yeah, I'm taking Calgary by a field goal in this one. Highest scoring game of the week. All right, we'll leave it at that. We are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Make sure you check out cfpodnetwork.ca and at cfpodnetwork on Twitter and check out all the other great shows. That does us for this week. Follow us follow us on Twitter, CFC on MikeFM. Like, subscribe, review on all the podcast platforms. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about week five in the CFL. For Michael Garrell, I'm Ryan Coop saying thank you for listening and have a wonderful week. Mm-hmm.